I'm Sam Seitels, and you are listening to The Pillars of Hamilton. When I think back to the things in my life that made the biggest impact on who I am today, martial arts definitely is at the top of that list. And that is why I had to have on my show Damon Widmer and Master Yates. You see, Master Yates owns the school formerly known as Mackenzie and Yates. And if you've driven by it on Main Street, which I'm sure you have a thousand times, and I'm sure you've seen Damon Widmer all over the place. He's always doing things for the town, but most of all, he's doing the most important thing, in my opinion, and that is helping the youth reach their potential, and he's doing that through martial arts. In this conversation, these two guys go into how they got into martial arts, how it will impact your kids if you sign them up, and why they are so passionate about their program. Damon, Master Yates, thanks for stopping by. Thanks for teaching my kids, and you guys just keep on doing what you're doing. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome my friends, Damon Widmer and Master Yates. So, gentlemen, um, I've had a lot of people... You asked me, like, how long I've been doing this. Mm -hmm. Um... About three months, but in those three months, I have had the mayor on. Uh, I wrote this down so I didn't forget. I've had the (laughs) deputy sheriff. I've had the chief of police. I'm just going to stop the list. The list is long, but never before have I had a master. (laughs) (laughs) That's right, ladies and gentlemen. A first for the pillars. What's up, master? Hey, what's going on? Glad to be here. Master Yates and my man Damon, but you are no master. I am no master. <laughs> I cannot snatch pebble from hand. <laughs> Is that what it takes to be a master? He's Poe. <laughs> Early on. Chopsticks with the flies. <laughs> right? Yeah. So welcome, guys. You own the school here in town, right? Yes. Uh, we're formerly Mackenzie Yates Martial Arts. Uh, we've just rebranded the whole school to Ultimate Martial Arts and Kickboxing. So No way. It's been it? a cool thing. Um, Ken McKenzie was my partner for years. He's still like my big brother. I love him to death. And uh, we just separated the business and uh, I'm moving forward and all that stuff. So You just I hit my very last question of the interview. <laughs> Who the heck is McKenzie? Yeah. <laughs> I've never met McKenzie. I was wondered about him. Great person. He's been one of my uh, mentors and martial arts instructors and like a big brother to me and it's always been very supportive. Even in this last move, he was so supportive and uh, it was it was so nice between us. We're still good friends. I see him often and uh, so yeah, he's just watched me grown from a, a, a probably a pain in the ass teenager <laughs> all the way up to where I am now. And he's How old been, was he? Was he your teacher? Uh, he wasn't my first teacher. My first martial arts teacher was Forrest Pearson, and uh, another person was like my father. He passed away years ago, but um, I started when I was ten years old. And uh, you know, if you want me to go into the background of how I got started I do. in martial arts, I do. But we're gonna like <laughs> knock out the entire second half of the interview in the first <laughs> there we go. ten seconds. I'm following your lead, man. All right, man. Well, let me actually take the lead to the man who I've uh, been watching the last few years. The man who uh, I've watched give my kids. Uh, an introduction to martial arts. I'm talking about the guy who teaches here in Hampton, New Jersey. My my friend Damon over here. Yes, sir. Welcome, my friend. Thank you. Pleasure yeah. to be here. Yeah, it's it's awesome to have you here, um, and it's been really cool because I've always wondered about you. Like, who is Damon? How did he get here? Like, you know, as people, you know, wonder about the people teaching their kids. You right. Know? He he um, was formerly a, a model for the Jolly Green Giant. Kids. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> We didn't want to get into that background. <laughs> Perfect likeness, for sure. Can I just use that as the photo for this episode? <laughs> right. So yeah, sub, sub it in. Photoshop. Um, how did this happen? Because I found out that uh, you got into martial arts not as a kid like most no. people do. No, actually, no. I've, I was always interested in it uh, growing up. Um, the opportunity never presented itself until I went into college. And uh, I swam in high school and college. And one day leaving practice... Uh, I went to Lycoming, it's up in Williamsport, and I was walking out, and the, the sensei who taught as a club activity up there, he was walking down the stairs, and I saw the flyers hanging on the wall. And I just walked up to him one day and introduced myself, and I was like, hey, I was interested in taking karate and didn't know anything about it. How was do this, I... Was this because you wanted to learn how to defend yourself? You wanted to get into better... I mean, you were a swimmer. You were probably already in awesome yeah, shape. We, we, yeah, we had to stay in good shape. It was just... 
you know, the way most people start off watching, you know, kung fu movies and, and seeing, like, I grew up with my buddies watching, you know, Jackie Chan, you know, Rumble in the Bronx, those types of movies, Super Cop, all the, all the cool stuff. And it just always interested me how just the movements, how, how you can do the techniques and all that fun stuff. So I uh, wanted to try it. And he came downstairs, introduced myself, asked how to get started. And he's like, yeah, just show up. And, you know, the rest is history. I started training there in 1997 and uh, six years of Shotokan Karate. Was this, okay, I was just going to ask what style. Yeah, it, was, it was a Japanese martial art. It was uh, six years of Shotokan Karate. I also was a lifeguard at the YMCA, so I started doing, uh, they had a little club sport there for Kung Fu. Did a little bit of that for like three or four months. I really didn't get into it that much. It was just not my speed, so to speak. They, they trained for tournaments. Uh, which was, you know, a lot of patterns and but point sparring. Isn't and karate uh, a lot of that tournament based? Do you think of like the the sparring, the board breaking, the uh, the forms? It, it can be for for Shotokan. The way I trained, it was a very traditional. Just you just went to class, you trained, you went to your tests. Mm -hmm. You know, you tw you tested twice a year. That was it. Everyone went up to Penn State. Uh, everyone's heard of Penn State, so I don't have to explain that. But went up to State College and uh, all the clubs from the areas like Bucknell, uh, Bloomsburg. Uh, everyone trained in the gymnasium in Penn State. It was hundreds of students out there, and you just sat there so, and waited your wait, turn. So, wait, hold on. How old were you when you started? Uh, 18. 18. Did you ever think you would be here as a martial arts? Like, basically, like, <laughs> right. you're the guy. Like, I mean, uh, the name on the studio, well, maybe not anymore. It's not Yates anymore. It's, but tell me the new name again. Ultimate Martial Arts and Kickboxing. Ultimate Martial Arts. I like that, man. Um <laughs> But like you're kind of you're. Can you say he's the face of that uh, that particular studio? Oh, absolutely. I mean, Damon's probably going to go into more of the story how we met and everything. But <laughs> right. he is my right hand man at that studio. So I, I really appreciate him and having him there. And he is the face of that studio, even though uh, it's scruffy know, right we now. Are, <laughs> even though we are a team. Um, he is the man that runs that show there. Yeah, and just to back up what you were saying, me and Damon participating in No Shave November, uh, yes. backing up the police here in Absolutely. Hamilton, New Jersey. I'm supporting Damon in No Shave <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you're looking smooth, <laughs> sir. Quite smooth. Um, so here you are. Now you're the yeah. face of a martial arts school. It, this was not the plan. No, my mother always jokes about that. <laughs> says, uh, when I actually told my my students just the other day that you know uh, public speaking was never my forte so to speak really oh no we had a uh, a speech class in high school and i almost bombed it <laughs> tell me about that because i mean i talk about that all the time with my students i talk about it on the podcast like public right. speaking number one fear oh yeah absolutely it, uh, it's scary <laughs> especially standing in front of your peers uh, i i guess maybe because it was like the kids I went to school with or whatever it might be, just standing up in front of their, in, in the classroom, doing your reports, reading reports. And speech scary. class is weird in general because you know everyone's judging every little thing you do. You oh, all yeah. know what this is. It's like, it's not like I'm here to give you information about what I've researched no. for this topic. It's about judging <laughs> nope. my every movement, <laughs> right. every fluctuation of voice and vocal pause. Every quiver. <laughs> every quiver, yeah. Every time you run out of the classroom. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Body language. Yeah. Yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah. It, was, um, it was scary, yeah. And, and you know, I actually kind of got into it uh, doing Shotokan Karate because, like I said, I did it for six years. It was a club sport. Uh, most people did it as a, as a gym credit. So every, like, six months we had a new rotation of, of kids coming in, or students, I, should, I shouldn't say kids, but college kids coming in and doing class. So as I progressed in the rank, I got higher up, and, you know, our sensei, Sensei Bub, he would always uh, put me with some of the newer students, the younger students, and, and help guide them. So back then it didn't seem like a big deal. It was just something I was interested in since they told me to. So I did it, you know, not a big deal. Uh, did you enjoy it? Yeah, yeah. I loved martial arts. I loved teaching. I loved uh, helping other kids out, uh, trying to share the passion that I had for it. And then, you know, when we got hooked up, uh, Master Yates was getting my, my kids involved, or my son at that point involved in martial arts. <laughs> I was a student, just started off in Hapkido. Uh, what was it, like a year, two years after that, I started Taekwondo, our Taekwondo program. And I remember just standing in line as a white belt in the Taekwondo class. Master Yates walked by and he's like, what are you doing? I said, Taekwondo. <laughs> and he just laughed and kept walking, shook his head and walked away. And I think he knew at that point that I was kind of in it for the long haul. 
You wait, know? wait, why? I, I, I might have missed the point of that story. So hold on. So you were there practicing Taekwondo. Yes. How did, why did he know you were in it for the long haul? Because I expanded. I was just doing everything the school had to offer. Oh, like, okay. Because you were doing it all. Yeah. And man, how many arts had you done by this point? At that point, I did six years of Shotokan karate, dabbled in Kung Fu, and then uh, Marine Corps Martial Arts through basic training, the Marine Corps Martial Arts program. So, so you have a wide range of uh, styles. Yeah, a little bit. I mean, yeah. of course, you're not a black belt in every single one, but like you no. have experienced. Uh, yeah, I actually officially have black belts in our program, and then black belts in Hapkido, and then I have rankings in a couple other martial arts as well, yeah. It takes a lot of energy to do what you do. I know, right? I work with the same age group, and I see what you're doing. And the difference, <laughs> yeah. too, is that you get these kids maybe two days a week, sometimes less. Yeah. With my kids a lot less. I'm so sorry about that. <laughs> we got four kids, man. We're trying to hold it together. Yeah. While I have you here, I wanted to talk to you about that. <laughs> <laughs> I was hoping, I was hoping, Mr. Master Yates, I was hoping you guys could be a little bit late to this interview so I could be like, yes, they're late. Yes, I'm always late. I'm late. I showed up with the wrong belt the other day. <laughs> yeah. Like, um, yeah, let's not talk about it. Let's not talk about what I just talked about. I think we need to set up an appointment. Yeah, <laughs> that needs to be separate from the podcast. Edit that out. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah. I, here's the thing. Um, I think to myself, like, I have four kids. What am I going to do with them? Am I going to put them in soccer? I'm going to put them in this. I'm going right. to put them in whatever they are interested in. But they are all, no matter what, going to be in martial arts. Um, I'm not going to go into detail about it, but it impacted my life. But I want to know how it's impacted your life. I mean, right from the get-go, just confidence. I mean, just, just having the, the confidence, just even as an adult. I mean, that's crazy. You know, you think about how many adults walk around out there. We talk about looking down at the ground and, you know, avoiding eye contact, can't shake a hand properly. I mean, it's out there. I worked in the, as a service technician for a company for seven years, and I met, you know, seven to eight people all around Reading, uh, Philadelphia, down to Delaware on a daily basis. And then just the number of people that, you know, you, you dealt with that were either mad or, you know, just insecure with themselves and having to deal with those situations whatever was thrown at you uh, no matter how bad it was you had to learn to deal with it and what would it, people were mad <clears throat> oh yeah as a service technician you go in to fix other people's mistakes so <laughs> sometimes you're not walking into the most hospitable environment there and uh yeah i mean that, that that's the number one that pops off my head is just confidence you know that's something that's if i had now what i had in elementary school or high school i'm sure you know, issues with bullying that I had probably would not have been there. Mm. I mean, that's, mm. that's it, you know. It, well, I want to <clears> tell <throat> you, Scott, um, what should I call you, man? Master Yates? Scott, Scott Yates, Master. That is my name that my mother gave me. <laughs> oh, okay, <laughs> yes, all right. But Master Yates sounds so rad. <laughs> You've earned it. Um, uh, so what I have here at my preschool uh, once a year is the new students, a lot of times uh, just even the returning students, their parents come in for an open house where I show them what I do in my martial arts class. I mean, it's nothing like what you guys do. It's a very, uh, you know, we do a short class, then we go outside, and it's a very introduction to martial arts. <laughs> and what I tell every single uh, parent is, next step, you go to Mackenzie and Yates. They are the ones who are going to and give your kids what I had when I was a kid. I tell them when I was a kid, I had no confidence. Uh, right. Dude, I talk publicly all the time now, constantly. <laughs> right. But I was just like you. I was that kid in speech class. We were joking about it, mm -hmm. but I was being serious. Right. I was a nervous wreck in public speaking class. Hated it, dreaded it weeks before I even had to do a speech. But I tell all the parents, I say, you go and you take your kids as soon as they're old enough to Mackenzie and Yates uh, for their confidence, for athleticism, of course, um, you know, for a great activity, but for more than more than anything, so that they can get ready for the next step, meaning going to public school with confidence, so they don't have a wall in front of them, that they break through that wall and they go in ready to learn. I think what you guys do is amazing. Yeah. And just to feed off of what Damon was talking about, about the idea of confidence, too, one of the things that most people don't think about is there's a very distinct difference between selective confidence and actual confidence. Selective confidence is like, okay, I'm, I'm good at math. I feel really confident in math. 
but I'm not confident as a person. Or I'm really good at my job. I'm very confident in my job, but put me in other scenarios where I have to speak up or something like that, and I'm not confident as a person. And one of the things that we try to express to the kids is why we put them through select, we actually put them through failure quite often in classes. Not on purpose, it's part of the system, it's part of the, the growth process that we put them through is that we want them to be able to deal with adversity. We want them to deal with different types of challenges, physically, mentally, emotionally, so that they actually build their true confidence where we express to them like, this is the same stuff you're gonna deal with as an adult or in school or with a bully. We want them to see like, once you get real confidence, you don't have to worry about if it's something new or if it's something you're good at yet. You believe that you can do it so that you get over those fears. Because most people, in my honesty, like Damon said, his experience meeting people is that you meet people who just maybe they're confident in one thing or the, the thing that they're good at. But I think that's what delineates martial arts from a lot of other things that are out there for parents to choose from, different activities, is that at the end of the day, you can be good at that particular thing, but has your child actually become confident in themselves? I think there's a huge difference. And I think in our DNA, we have built in this fight or flight type mentality. And like, you know, realize from from early on, like you ran from the lions, you're like, <laughs> You know, as people got older, you like you you survive war. You like it did all these different things. So the basic core of us is is about survival, and so I think confidence is tied very deeply into that DNA of survival. That I might be really good at polishing shoes, but can I survive? And I think that's where our core belief of confidence really comes from. Is like if I'm presented with conflict, any form of conflict, physically, emotionally, mentally, can I manage that conflict with my own self-belief? And I think that's where building people's confidence goes right to the core of that. So how did, so, but martial arts is a, a very specific thing. How come, how is it that martial arts is the thing that will give them not just a confidence in martial arts, but a confidence in life. You gave it, what, what were the terms you, you said it was? This confidence versus another. What were the? Selective. Selective versus? Skill. Skill, okay. So martial arts is a skill, but the skill behind the skill is the 90% of what we do. It's the emotional, physical, and um, mental part of what we teach. Every lesson in class has an emotional, has a physical, and has a mental part to it. Whereas everything that we're doing is teaching them. Like when you're doing the push-ups, you have to keep pushing whether you like it or not. And guess what? One day you're going to have to do math. And you might not like it, but you have to keep pushing through it. So every lesson is corresponded to a life skill as opposed to a specific skill. So every time we throw kicks and the kids are getting tired, like it's okay to be tired. You have to fight through that because one day you'll be at work and you're going to be tired and you have to work anyway. So we kind of correlate that all together so that they learn to fight through every obstacle, not just the specific thing. Like, oh, we just kick and punch and you just have to work on that. So it's not that we're trying to get them good at kicking and punching. That's a byproduct of martial arts. Mm. The real product is the mental, physical, and emotional capacities that we're trying to build in people. Like our black belt exam process we're right. in the middle of right now is six hours <laughs> of pre-qualifying, six hours of boot camps, and yep. then six hours of a final exam. They have an 18-hour exam just to get to the first level in martial arts, which is black belt. So this is the final brown, when they're a brown belt, moving on to be a black belt. What we call chodan, which is half red, half black. Okay. In our system, yeah. So. Oh, okay. It's not brown. It's red. Mm -hmm. Okay, I got you. So, you know, we put them through an 18-hour process just to get to level one of the martial arts. And a lot of people believe that black belt's the end. It's No, that's actually the first step. It's How, the beginning. When was this 18-hour process originally? Is this your own? Yes. Yeah, this is my curriculum. system. Yeah, our, our, our school system Great. on doing this of, um, you know, they have to train for almost three to four years just to get to the opportunity to do this for the first level. And then we go through six hours of qualifying where they're evaluated on their skill sets and only 17 of the 20 passed at this time. Mm -hmm. So not everyone passes. And some of those were the uh, makeups from last time that didn't pass yep. as well. So what is it that makes someone not pass? Is it that they haven't memorized their forms? They're just not... It's It's... There's a criteria that we have physically, skill-wise. There is curriculum there. Um, and we literally give them a blueprint. 
blueprint six months prior on how to accomplish this goal. We literally say, all you have to do is X, Y, and Z consistently in this many days a week, and we know it works. We already know it works because we've we've graduated over 200 black belts prior to you. So. What do you mean it works? Um, the system, like we'll say you have to do X amount of push-ups a day, X amount of this a day. Oh, for you to be yeah. and this, physically This is ready. how you'll qualify because yeah. we've and watched it happen hundreds of times. So right. we put together a system like, hey, here it is. Here's your golden ticket. This is the this is the plan. It's like if you go to a financial advisor, he's like, well, you know, we put, should put some money here, some money here, some money here. And if we do that on a, on a, on a lifetime average, this is what most people have done. They've succeeded with X percent of return. Yeah. So we've come up with the same type of system for success. So are you sure, not to call anyone out, but like are the ones who didn't, I'm sure, you know, life happens, whatever happens, but are the ones who didn't make it, they probably didn't follow. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And we flat out ask them, did you do the practice the way we prescribed it? No. There's your answer. Like, I can't control that. At some point, in, and this is one of the big lessons that we teach, is that at some point in life, well, guess what? You need to do it on your own. You need to step up. You need to put yourself out there. You need to put forth the effort necessary to become whatever you want to become. What about someone who's not physically gifted, who, who, who just... Most of our students are not physically gifted. In fact, most people are not physically gifted. <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah, I guess that's a good point. I mean, when was the last time you did a split? I'm, I mean, Mr. G, Mr. G, on the other hand, shows us all up. There are exceptions. exceptions. Yes. Yeah, exactly. yeah, we'll definitely give a shout out to Mr. G. Been that, teaching for a while. You know, but at, yeah, at, no, that's a good at point. 19 years old, that is the goal to be like that. Right? <laughs> yes, that's a good at point. our age, we're like, yeah, whatever, man. Yeah, I can still kick up to chest, chin, maybe. But uh, can uh, you yeah. still kick head level? Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, don't, I can <laughs> yeah. even kick Damon's level. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Eight feet? What? Yeah. Dude, you, you can really kick Damon? Oh, yeah. Many times. With, with, with a front kick, round kick. Spinning with, hook. Name it. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, get out of here. You could do yeah. a spinning hook kick to Damon. Many times. <laughs> yeah, the thing is, like, look, most Dude, people. can I ask I you how old you are? I'll be 47 in June. Okay. So you're, you're 11 years older than me. It's just. I'm already feeling. Well, like, here's the thing too. Like, and, and I know that in the martial arts world, I'm the, I am, I'm, I'm the one, I, I never think that I'm special in the martial arts world because there are so many special people. And, but what I believe is that I'm on the same path as some of these people that have gone to a, a great level. Um, and humility is a big part of the martial arts. You, 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 it's a constant balance of who you are and what you want to become. You're looking at, when you talk about skill and being natural and things like that, um, my skill level uh, is through 36 years of experience. Most people don't do anything for 36 years other than eat, poop, and sleep. When you, when I, I, I don't want people to be me because I know I'm the exception to the rule when it comes to martial arts. Most people are not doing something like that for 36 mm. years. So even when we look at our students, we... We look at the goals, like, you know, a lot of times we'll tell our students when they join up, like, our, our goal is to do this, you know, we got to get you beyond black belt because that's the first level. We know it, we have to build those skills over time. And when students come into us, we look at them as, honestly, it's like an A, B, or C. Where are they physically, mentally, emotionally? Are they an A, B, or C? And then our first goal, first and foremost, is just take them to like a C plus. We want to give them an advantage of from where they are. Then the only thing we could do from there is grow better. Like, you get them to a C plus. Well, great. Let's get to a B, and then then we get them to a B plus. And you know, it depends on the longevity, their efforts, the the all those things combined, which allows them a lot to of factors, of yeah course. acquire those things. But like our basic plan for our students is you got to be there twice a week and you got to practice three times a week. That's the plan. If you don't follow the plan, then why yeah. are you even here? Well, I think well. Uh, to uh, not to, I, I'm gonna have to agree to disagree with that because mm -hmm. I definitely think even if if you don't have the time I think some martial arts is better than no martial arts. Oh, I agree. You're absolutely yeah, you're absolutely right. The more you train, the better you get. Uh, you know, of course. Um, but I still think, and I'm only saying this because I'm trying to <laughs> get forgiveness. <laughs> I know where he's going with this. <laughs> no, seriously, so man. I'm averting my, my eyes. Is, hold on, this is the guilt statement. Let's listen carefully. Look, we're going to talk about this. We actually have to go to a commercial break. I'm gonna, we'll talk about it off air. Uh, we will be back, people. So what's the name of the place, and what can people get when they come? It's Campion's Kitchen. We're in Blueberry Crossing, right on the White Horse Pike same complex as the health tree and goodwill 
everything is fresh, everything is homemade. Um, we do paninis, soups, salads, wraps. I also have a hot bar. I opened, oh. uh, I, yeah, I opened um, the store because I've been catering for about five years. Food is, is my passion, I love it. And I wanted to get my food out there for people to try. So I have, um, you know, healthy comfort, sometimes not so healthy food on my hot bar. Um, it's $10 for a meal. You get an entree, two sides. Uh, we normally have two or three options every day. Mm. So Campion's Kitchen, right by the health tree, right? Yes. Yeah. People, like, I don't know. I didn't know about it. I know. And now I know. Mm-hmm. And now I'm happy. <laughs> I'm just having a good time with Master Yates and Damon. <laughs> guys, so uh, you guys talked about how in martial arts, a huge part of it is being humble. Dude, yes. Damon, seriously, man, I got to be honest with you. Uh, there's, I've had 32 guests here on the Pillars of Hamilton. You have been the most difficult to get any information <laughs> out of, my friend. I'm begging for talking points. I'm an enigma. Nah, no, you are a martial artist. You are a ninja. Here's the thing is that you are a very humble guy. And I, I saw that with the texts. Um, and here I have other people like shout out to Diana Sabella for actually giving me information. She, thank you for that. I couldn't get anything out of you, man. But, you know, you do so many things. You do so many things for kids. Uh, and, and, you know, you did graphic design. And uh, you, you just didn't even mention it to me. And I think that's. That makes me proud of who's teaching my my kid. Awesome. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. yeah. No, thank you, man. Um, it's hard for some people when they've done so many things not talk about, especially in this opportunity. It's like here you have an opportunity to, you know, just speak freely in front of an audience. And you didn't even bring up a single one of those accomplishments, any of those things that you've done. Why, man? <laughs> <laughs> I'll do it for him. Damon is a huge asset to our company. He's... Uh, I knew that once we got to know each other really and I knew his background and how he worked and being a Marine and all that stuff, the work ethic and everything, it just, it presented itself over time. And that's why, like, even before he started working, I knew he was going to end up doing it. And then when you he came it. in, like, one day a week, I'm like, this is going further. I know it is. <laughs> and then suddenly we're sitting down talking about career changes. And and then I suddenly I was like, I knew that he was going to end up being that guy, like, you know, when you run a company, you're always looking for a mm. a certain type of person. And you know you have employees, and you have, and they're all good people. They're all great people. They all have certain qualities. But to rise up to the level of management and running an actual facility, um, it does take a different type of person. It takes uh, – Someone who's invested. Yeah, somebody who's invested who's uh, pretty much like all in. And uh, I think the work ethic that Damon has is incredible and – just, I think that stems back to the military and just, I think it has a lot to do with him as a person as well. But uh, Damon's been all in from day one. And we we have a great friendship and a great team that we, we work together. And we know the goals that we want to have for not only our students, but the community and, and, and for ourselves as well, that how we want to affect more people's lives. And like anytime we talk about this stuff, I know Damon is 100% on board with all of that. And look, yes, we have a company and yes, we do want to grow. And yes, we want thousands of martial arts members. But the reason that we want it is very different. The reason we want it is because that we can make a ripple effect in the community, that we can have a positive impact. Look, if we put one confident kid in the classroom, it could affect two other kids in that classroom in a very positive way. It could, like, they could be the leader in the room. They could be the person that's like, nah, you don't have to put up with that bullying. Hey, why don't you raise your hand in class? Like, we want those kids, like, literally, like, like ninjas, <laughs> like your shirt. Right. And, uh, uh, of course, I want them. this. Yeah. It's special for you. We want those kids infiltrating. And so, like, when, when we talk, when I talk to Damon about the, the company goals and what we want, it is growth, but it's, there's a there's a, a side to it where we're like the whole point of doing martial arts is to affect people's lives. Now we do run a business with that, but the goal's never changing. Our goal was to affect people in the community mentally, physically, emotionally, and so that we're putting better people in the world. That's always the big time goal. Can I tell you something why you and I have something in common? It's really interesting. I've I, I used to work at a jewelry store when I was like 19. I couldn't sell jewelry to save my life because I don't believe in it. But here I am at my preschool that I believe right. in with mm -hmm. all my heart. And so I give these tours and I am a salesman when I'm giving these <laughs> right. tours because I believe in this product so much. So I hear yeah. what you're saying. Yeah, I, I, 
I, I did sales when I was younger. I worked for a flooring company, and it's funny because my uh, I, I, I did this job one time. And there was a house that was like thirty one thousand square feet. It was a gentleman who sold a motor to GE, and I don't know, got paid a billion dollars, whatever. And uh, we literally, the owner of the company at the time was like, Scott, this is like the biggest job we've ever done. And he's like, Do you have it? And I'm like, Yeah, I got it because we're making her place beautiful. It wasn't about the money to me. It was about you know, I have an opportunity to make someone's home like awesome the way they want it. And the funny story is, is that I ended up doing an upgrade to it just because I told her that your, your house can't have plain carpet. It can't just have this. It's got to have this. And we got to put these borders in and we got to do all this stuff. And she was, and I had it all drawn out and it was literally a meeting in five minutes. And she was like, yeah, okay. And I mean, it was a $140,000 job that we had going on. And the fact was, I never felt like selling was something that you did to get a, ahead of somebody to get money. It was always an exchange of services or exchange of you're giving something to get something. And, um, you know, I think you, where like, does that come from? Why do you think that's your perspective? Were you taught that way or is that just who you are in your core? I don't know the answer to that. I just mm. think that I've evolved. I think the guy who I work for at the flooring company was a good person and he shared that high like you do it right no matter what i mean we've walked into people that back then we walked how it should be and if something was messed up we tore it out we fixed it it was never a question like like we never had to do that and uh i think seeing that was like wow that's the right way to do things that's the right way to take care of people i mean i grew up in a good christian home like my parents are awesome and you know when you look at the qualities of people like like dame and i we agreed on those things like how we want to affect people and what we want for all the kids, adults, anybody that comes to our program. It doesn't matter if they're doing the fitness kickboxing or the adult self-defense or if they're doing the kids program. It's the same goal. It's like we want to affect them in a certain way. And going back to what we were talking about a second ago, it was like that was why Damon was like the guy. He, I just saw it in him. Like-minded. Yeah. And and at the time, were you, did you still have a fear of speaking publicly? Yeah, absolutely. I had it was Saturday was my day to come in and help out, uh, just around the school, just as a student. Like I came in and, and helped out with classes, just to assist, just because, and gained a little bit of confidence in that on a one to one. This is what six years ago. It was about eight years eight ago. Years, now. Eight years ago. Yeah, and then when I finally took the the leap, so to speak, and became a full time instructor, <laughs> I remember my first day. It was like. Well, you you work here now. It's Young Dragon class. Have fun. <laughs> Here's fifteen four year olds. <laughs> yeah, make them sit still. <laughs> to, yeah, to the to the wolves. No, I'm joking. And we had we had had training prior, but you're not kidding. Yeah, but <laughs> no, you're not kidding. But yeah, it's you know going from a like an assistant behind the scenes helping out here and there uh, to all of a sudden standing in front yeah. of the classroom, all eyes on you, parents. You know, you still get that judging feeling you know of course you know i guess my biggest fear was i don't want to screw anything up <laughs> you know i don't yeah. want to say the wrong thing i don't want you to don't do want the wrong to thing you yeah. want to be in control yeah yeah and i mean that's something that you, know, you get over real quick uh and i think that goes back to if, if you believe in the program and you're having fun doing it, it it's real easy to get over and, and you know i remember when my mom uh -huh. first came down uh to visit me she lives out in pittsburgh and uh, she came back to visit, and she came in to watch one day when I was – she came up to me afterwards. She's like, I can't believe it. I've never in all my years thought that you'd be teaching classes and teaching students, you know, like have – and have them listen to you the way they do. She's like, I, I just never believed that you could do that. And that's not a negative thing. That's just growing up, you know, speech class, so on and so forth. That was never my – I don't want to say personality, but public speaking wasn't what I – if anything, that I, I was forced to do it. Yeah, yeah. If anything, that's a positive thing. I mean, most people yeah. never get over that fear. And the best way to do it is the way your boss had you do it. And that's just throw you into it. That's the best way to do it. People can take a million classes on public speaking, but it ain't until you get in front of people and you speak publicly that you get better at it. I can tell you exactly the day it was. You'll probably remember. You and uh, Grandmaster McKenzie were with Dojo Nim and uh, stuck with a volcano in what, Iceland? Yes. Yes. <laughs> what? They were they were overseas doing a seminar uh, with their with their master, and uh, Grandmaster McKenzie had set up a a anti bullying workshop at Haddon was it Haddonfield Elementary, 
in front of the whole school, which is like 800 kids. Oh, and hey, you gotta go. They, yeah, and it's like worse. <laughs> and we were gonna go to support him. It was Grandmaster McKenzie's thing. He's like, yeah, we're stuck in Iceland, and you're the next highest senior oldest dude. So you have to go do this talk in front of 800 kids. And of course, we walk in there. And there's a news station there. <laughs> there's 800 kids, all the teachers, and then you know how do you how do you command and control the attention of 800 kids in a giant gymnasium with you know TV cameras on you? And that was. And of course, how the, do you, man? How do you? <laughs> very loudly, very loud voice projection, and you know. Did it, you have a mic? I had a mic, yeah, yeah. Okay. But even still, eight hundred kids talking <laughs> in a gymnasium is very loud. And uh, I remember that night, uh, Mrs. Jory actually sent the the picture to me, the film that was on the news. And what, and what do you see? Is my head bobbling <laughs> while I'm doing this speech with the microphone in front of me? But, are you good? Are you happy with your performance? Yeah, absolutely. I, like I said, you got over it real quick. You know, yeah. you, you kind of just, <laughs> not the imagined people, uh, you know, whatever. You just kind of like well, stare at, stare off into space, don't focus on any one person and just talk. I hear you. I mean, I have <laughs> I have been in control of so many crowds from it, from pro wrestling, from fi- yeah. a crowd of five. <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, I've had people, 5,000 people watching me yeah. to five people. I feel... Personally, it's so weird. I don't expect a lot of people understand this, but maybe like someone like you or you would, where I actually feel the more, I mean, there's definitely a breaking point, but there's the more the people are, the easier it is to just control the room because everyone's just watching you and they're all going to kind of do something in unison together so you can control the pace as opposed to if you're in front of four people where they're going to all throw in their their own opinion when they're in a conversation. I just, I don't know. I do well in front of uh, big audiences. Right. right. It's definitely easier now. Absolutely. Yeah. After yeah. you've done it, you realize like, I got this. I'm doing yeah. something that everyone else is afraid of doing. And look at this. This is what martial arts has done for Damon. Right. He was doing designs graphically, yeah. never dreaming he'd be in front of anyone speaking publicly. And then he's in front of 800 kids talking yeah. about martial arts. We've done a number of. Uh, bully workshops and things for various schools now throughout the area. So yeah, it's let's talk about that because that's a huge part for the kids. Um, do you feel like you guys are helping kids towards feeling confident when dealing with bullies? One of the concepts we teach in class is that you know inside your brain, let's let's call it there's compartments and called experience. And as a child. If you've never experienced bullying before and suddenly it comes to you, which is about 68% of school kids today, um, these are national statistics that are showing that about two-thirds of all kids are dealing with either physical um, you know, physical or verbal bullying in schools. And um, I think that most kids, their experience bucket in the back of the brain of dealing with adversity like that is empty. So when the brain reacts to something like that, when they're, when they're pressured to come upon conflict like that, where they feel this threatening environment where the person either is making them feel belittled emotionally or they're physically feeling pressured, I think the brain goes looking for the information. That's how our brains work. It looks for information to relate upon that provides you an experience answer. But when you haven't had the experience, the answer is nothing, it's empty. And the human's reaction is to cower to to fight or flight, right? And flight, most, yeah. <laughs> and if they don't have the fight, <laughs> then there's only the flight. And I think they flight emotionally, mentally, and that's why I think it affects kids in such a way. And that's also why I feel like the training in the martial arts that we give fills that that experience box. We. We talk about it uh, constantly in class. Mm-hmm. We give them ex- like uh, scenarios and situations where we're telling them the, the verbiage and almost like they're experiencing it right there, but in a safe building way. And so that way there is something in that thing, like some kid grabs you, you know how to back off and be like, hey, stop, leave me alone. You know, Do kids, because a lot of these uh, situations you can't exactly plan for because you know the, all the variables. Do you guys have opportunities for kids to come in and who's been who have been training with you and they may say like, 
you know, Master Yates, I had this situation where um, this kid, he, he did this to me. Are you able to help kids in those situations? We, we hear that on a, yeah, uh, yeah, uh, if not a weekly basis, a monthly basis. We're always having what we call parent conferences, parent conference. and parents are like, hey, this oh, happened to my kids. Oh, you conferences with parents. Every, every, probably every week <laughs> where huh. we're dealing with different issues. Then it could be anything from behavior issues to focus issues to bullying issues, and bullying one comes up quite often in – and it's uh, it's it's disheartening because when you're watching a parent who doesn't know what to do, and we don't, they're doing their best. You know, we we love them and we understand that, and we want to be their support for this area that maybe they've never dealt with before. Because you know, even my son had dealt with it in the beginning of the school year, and for me as a parent, I've helped a lot of other kids, so I had the tools to help my son. But I understand how it feels when it's happening to you. And if a parent doesn't really have the experience box full for them to articulate those things and to give them tools to help them, then we understand the struggle. And they, we tell them from day one, please come to us. We have experience in this. We want to, you know. Well, I do. I have a black belt and I've been training martial arts. I'm nowhere near your level, but I do. But at the same time, even though I'm instilling many of these values in my kids, I still am definitely sending them to you guys because it's totally different values that you guys will be able to or values that i give them that you guys could even personify yourselves and show them other things that i'm not showing them at home i think it's beautiful that you guys are doing this man i would say we we love it i mean it's just (laughs) we love knowing that we could give a parent a tip in that idea of of bullying or something like or emotional emotional fortitude is what it really comes down to that literally could turn that kid in a direction because I mean you hear the stories all the time about kids getting bullied and you know you got kids committing suicide suicide yeah. rates are up I mean it's it's crazy it's the cyber bullying is crazy I don't that's wait a, a minute. big one now yeah that wasn't yeah. even around one I know well I yeah, I got kicked off my bike that was how it happened like right like, yeah I didn't <laughs> me too I I got shot my my neighbor he shot me with a an airsoft or no a paintball gun when I was riding my bike oh those yeah. bullies I'll never forget it yeah. I know you never forget that do you <laughs> well, man and and the crazy part is is one of the things we talk about is like when we were growing up. <laughs> bullying was you dealt with it on the playground so to speak you know that's and that's where i think a lot of parents you know our age now is that's how they were told to deal with things as far as bullying goes you know you handle your stuff on the playground but now there's the zero tolerance you know you you have to find a way to help these kids with the bullying situation it's not going to get them in trouble you know the physical parts the the very like last right. resort mm-hmm. that's the last resort you know you look at the original karate kid that was bullying when i grew up Right, that, that's how you dealt with it, you know, not at a karate with a crane kick to the face. With a crane kick to the face, yeah, yeah, you know, but but that was it. You know, you, they, they chased each other around, and, and you end up getting the fights on the playground, and and that was like a common occurrence. You know, unfortunately, it still is today. But with the the zero tolerance, now there everyone gets in trouble. And with the the digital age, I mean, there's a buffer between people. You can hide behind that keyboard. You can anonymously post things. You could bother people from a distance where in our day, you got bothered. If you wanted to end it, you punched them in the mouth and it was over. Like, not that I encourage people punching each other. No, right. <laughs> back in the day, if you, this was like when people would spread a rumor secretly. Like, you dealt with it directly. Yeah. Uh, but people back in the day, this is what a coward would do. They would spread a rumor. This is even like next level. Where you're not even. Write, write a piece using... of paper, make it into an airplane, and throw it across the room, right? <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, but I think another thing that the, your students are learning too is that if they're feeling confident that they can hear about certain things and realize, hey, it's all good. I don't have to worry about this. Like yep. I'm confident. I'm a strong that, person. I'm a strong boy. I'm a strong girl. I read a lot and emotional fortitude is I think is a is a life skill that is slowly dissipating. As adults, just look at Facebook. Just go through the news feed for two minutes and you see the emotional, I don't know what the word is for, like they, they don't have control over how they react to things. It's all Lack reaction. Lack of self-control, yeah. It's just the emotional fortitude is somebody mentions something and, and suddenly they're typing for four hours about how they feel about it as opposed to just maybe dealing well, with it. Well, there's something to be said not only with just dealing with it, but going and having something like martial arts where you can hit the bag or spar or just even throw out some forms and uh, do some key ops, uh, it definitely gets 
you know, that stress out, you know, mm -hmm. because people need a they release. Need a release. <laughs> yeah. They need a release, especially when you're a kid and you're sitting in a desk for hours every day, just being filled with uh, kids making fun of you or math and language. It's just, it's hard being a kid. So to go to the safe place where you can go and be good at something and know that you're, you can leave with confidence that you can defend yourself, that's a huge thing. Maybe you never will in your entire life, but you know mm -hmm. that if you have to, you can throw a spinning hook hit to Damon. I mean, how much, how much do you spend on insurance every year? You'd have to talk to my wife about right, that. Exactly. <laughs> but the point is that people buy insurance with the hope that it never happens. You know, I think martial arts is the same way, but the byproduct of what we get, we hope that nobody ever gets in a physical altercation. But I think the byproducts outweigh the, 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 the investment. Right on. Before we get to uh, something I like to end with called the chat pack, uh, do you guys have any success stories that have come from Mackenzie and Yates that you'd like to share, whether it be one in the martial arts world or just something emotional or physical, you know, your own student? I'm sure you have a hundred of them, but mm -hmm. like one you'd like to share on my show. I guess one of my favorite uh, success stories was a, a, a student, a young woman who... Um, came to us was very unsure of herself and did a very good job in class you know had to fight with her mother a couple times to get her to class and you know she finally turned around and, and fell in love with martial arts uh, did a great job and then unfortunately one day she actually had to defend herself uh, was getting off the school bus and again this is local this is stuff that that happens and uh, a stranger approached her and tried to grab her and like physically run off with her <gasps> and just straight punch right to the guy's nose. She just broke his nose. And the mom called me and was talking to me about it and like crying. Did they write about this in the paper? I don't think so. What? I don't, I don't know if I saw it in the paper or not. I don't. Oh, they should I mean, have made that public. And, uh, yeah, broke the guy's nose, got the description. They finally, finally, uh, caught him and arrested him. And it what? was, uh, I mean, this was a number of years ago, uh, probably three years ago. Straight punch, ago, huh? But is it a jab or a cross? I think it was a cross, just right hand. Power hand. Power hand. Yeah. Yeah. And, <laughs> and you know, but, but that goes back to what we talk about with just like fundamentals. You don't have to do that spinning hook kick to someone my height. You know, a lot of times, you know, as a grown, as a grown man, you, someone punches me square in the nose, your eyes water up, you know, you, whether or not it's bloody or broken or whatever, just the actual physical side effects of getting punched in the nose can be devastating to someone, no matter your size. Uh, so. Have you been punched in the nose? Oh, yeah. Yeah, Absolutely. me too, man. Yeah. Me too. Yeah. I've done some full contact kickboxing, and yeah. Your nose looks good, though. No, no serious breaks? No, I've never had a broken nose, thankfully. Good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thankfully. Had my bell rung a number of times. Me too. <laughs> but, but no broken noses. Me too. Me too. <laughs> I got to keep this pretty. <laughs> yeah. It's not getting any, it's not getting better. I'm only getting older. <laughs> no doubt. No doubt. So a couple questions before we get to the chat pack. I have to ask. Yeah. Favorite martial arts movie of all time? Uh it would be Jet, uh, Jet Li's uh, Fist yes. of Legend. <laughs> the opening fight scene where he just destroys the entire Aikido school is awesome. I've got to see it. Fist I thought of I was waiting for a, a classic Bruce Lee or maybe a, uh, something uh, unique like Crouching Tiger. Really, yeah. a Jet I mean, Lee. I enjoy all those movies as well, yeah. but that, that opening fight scene, the joint locking that's in that is phenomenal. Right. And I'm a joint lock You're fanatic. a fan lie. <laughs> yeah. fan of uh, joint locks. Yes, they hurt. I on the, I, yeah, on the <laughs> other hand, I, I mean, I do a bit of jujitsu, and a lot of times I get caught in little wrist locks. I hate that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so right. I say, so you people. I think those are illegal in jujitsu. Um, that's why we make fun of it. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I've just talked to my trainer who's been, who's been wrist locking me. <laughs> no, no, seriously, I have love for all martial arts. I wouldn't want to discredit our jujitsu well, friends out. Yeah. We work with a lot of jujitsu people too. Hey, so shout yeah. out to the eye gouge, right? Yes. Uh, <laughs> uh, so favorite? Do you have a favorite fighter of all time? Do you guys watch mixed martial arts? Um, I don't follow it too much, just because the negative attitude that comes across with a lot of the Ultimate Fighters. Mm. Um, I, I mean, we've had Dan to be Severn at our school, so mm -hmm. one of the original UFC the original guys. Yeah. Did he talk trash back in the day? I don't think so. Nah, he's he's a pretty straightforward straight yeah. man. Nice that, guy. That fight with him versus that guy who was like 150 pounds. Do you remember that fight? Hoist Gracie. Yeah. No, not Hoist yeah. Gracie. This was when he first fought. He fought this guy who was about 150 pounds. 
Dan Severn threw like six suplexes on this kid. Uh-huh. It was a big lesson in wrestling. Uh-huh. <laughs> was, yeah, he's good at it. Too. Dan's, oh my, Dan the Beast. They call yeah. him a beast for a reason. Yeah. I, mean, um, I don't think I have a favorite fighter. I mean, I, I, I dabble every once in a while. I'll catch a fight. I don't follow it incessantly or anything like that. Um, okay. But, uh, you know, I enjoy the athleticism of it, the, those things like that. When And then when I hear about somebody who's a diehard martial artist hey, who look rises at like, up. Hey, have you ever heard of George St. Pierre? Yes. Yeah. Yep. I mean, George St. Pierre, I think he embodies what a martial artist is. Yeah, he has multiple disciplines and black belts in multiple disciplines and... Yeah, I have to say that Anderson Silva probably in his prime. I enjoyed watching him fight because of his accuracy. For those of you who don't know Anderson Silva, it was like mm-hmm. watching a sniper fight, like a sniper with his fists. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was like whenever he was ready, it was like watching the Matrix. Yep, that it was that was amazing. I hear what you say. Like when you see Conor McGregor is really it's all trash talk based, yeah. and here you are trying to teach your martial arts students that hey, this is supposed to be a respectable art, humble, humble <laughs> art. Yeah, and everybody everybody thought that UFC was going to help martial arts schools. The fact is, it helped MMA schools. Yeah, and jujitsu, but definitely yeah. not your taekwondo, karate, traditional martial arts schools for sure. Yeah, um, and I think that uh, you know it's funny because Bill Wallace has a theory on how UFC started, yes. and it was a Gracie marketing ploy, and it actually is. <laughs> well, it worked out. Yeah, it worked really out well. Put them on the map. <laughs> no doubt. Gentlemen, um, it's time for the chat pack. You both get a chance to pick one random question. Nice. You both get to answer. Uh, we will, of course, start with the master. Choose wisely. Oh, boy. Uh, 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 uh. Oh, there you go. All right. So let's read this question. If you could see the front page of a national newspaper dated January 1st, 2100, what do you imagine the main headline might say? We're talking 80 <laughs> years in the future. What is the headline? I think we're talking America, right? Or what's, it, what's even happening? What's left of it? Yeah. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> what are we talking, guys? Oh what goodness. is the headline in 2100? Never talk politics and religion. Yes. <laughs> yes. That's a great question, man. Yeah. Wow. 20, 80, what is it, 80? 80, 80 years. years. Are people still getting offended by everything? Are are they offended by nothing? Nuclear weapons have finally been abolished from the earth. Oh, that's a beautiful answer. (laughs) I do believe that. Yes. Oh. I do. So we'll finally wake up one day and realize that if we blow the crap out of each other, nobody survives. They'll finally realize They'll finally it. come to, like, oh, yeah, this makes sense now. Like, we should. 80 <laughs> years from now, they're going to say Master Yates was correct. <laughs> <laughs> I was uh, going to say, did you ever see the movie Idiocracy? Mm, maybe. <laughs> Who's in it? It has uh, the one Wilson brother in it. Uh, yeah, just watch that. That's my answer. Oh. Are, uh, <laughs> no, no spoilers? Spoil it. He uh, gets frozen, and he comes back like hundreds of years, and everyone's like super dumb. Yes. <laughs> so that's a headline? <laughs> the, the point is there's it, no headlines. Is it the one where they, the, they had no water? It was yeah, Gatorade? They, they, it was Gatorade. They were, they were feeding the plants Gatorade because they didn't know how to take They were dying of starvation because they didn't know how to grow plants. And yeah. <laughs> there's a headline in there somewhere, dude. It was either that or Back to the Future. We finally have flying cars. Was that the headline? <laughs> no, just oh, just so we finally get them. <laughs> finally get them. Eighty years. Oh from now. man, why not in our lifetimes, Damon? Because uh, oh. we'd have it by now. If it <laughs> I know, not even a hoverboard. Not even a hoverboard. I can't. I still have to tie my own shoes. It's so sad. It's so sad. <laughs> <sighs> First world problems. All right, uh, Damon, your turn. Choose the final question. Which age, when you turned it, was the most difficult for you to accept? Oh man. Uh, the joke would be forty. Yeah, well, that would midlife be, crisis, right? Mid, life's but half no, over. I could tell. I could tell right away. Uh, it wasn't forty. No, it wasn't forty. Um, somewhere in my thirties, definitely. Uh, I, I actually probably maybe even just thirty. Really? 30. Yeah. And not, and it's not that it was a bad thing. You know, it wasn't that it was bad. It was just thirty. You're like, okay, you're you're out of your twenties. You know. So so you've the, never had a bad age, but that was slightly the, something. I, yeah, just because you, you start to realize that, I mean, at 30, you, I consider as, as, a, as a male, you're an adult then, you know? Like in your 20s, come on now. Well, think about all this stuff we did in our 20s, which... No, I don't want to. Think yeah, about. exactly. <laughs> right, mute. So <laughs> No, here's the thing, man. For me, it was like 30. I turned 30. Everyone's like, yeah, 30. Yeah. But then you yeah. turn 31 and everyone's like, oh. 
all right. Yeah. It's like, oh, all right. I guess it's downhill now. Yeah, the, the, I mean, I, I didn't sell it. I, like, I, I was never a big birthday person. So my, right. my 21st birthday was the last birthday I, quote, unquote, celebrated. And even then, that was hey. just we're going out for happy hour after work. Hey, here you are at 40, impacting kids' lives on a right? daily basis. You're living your best life. So what? whatever. Do you, Scott? Because you look like you're like 20. Uh, do you have an age that was difficult for you? Um, I think my 20s were difficult because of some of the life choices I was making at the time. I was really? figuring things out. You know, going through the pull of the peer groups that were trying to pull me down a certain path. And... Breaking away from that, breaking away from that road that no none of us would ever want to see our kids go down, like, you know, dabbling in things, experimenting with things and, and watching myself do that and then realize waking up one day going, whoa, hold on, this isn't the path I want to go down. I never judge anybody. Like, I have no judgment against any of my friends, former friends, anybody I ever hung out with. I love everybody, you know, and... It's all life's experiences, and but that time when, mm-hmm. like that moment of like awakening when you when you realize like whoa hold on, mm-hmm. I need to go a different way and I need to be a different person and that was a both a hard moment and a good moment because I'm glad I did realize it. I'm glad I did realize like hey I don't want to be that person. I don't want to go down that road. I don't want to do those things and. I, I can I know I can be a, a better person, live a better life and all that stuff. So and thank God I had all the mentors and martial arts around me that and great parents and all that stuff that helped me somewhere and it was subliminally messaging me the that that I can make good choices and I can make better choices and that all helped me break away from that. And here's the thing is that you're a role model to so many people. You are my Mr. Foxman. When I was a kid, I had a teacher named Mr. Foxman. That guy is invaluable to me. I wouldn't be here doing anything if it weren't for Mr. Foxman. Um, you are that guy to so many kids. And I think that, hey, you did experience some stuff. And you learned from it. And mm-hmm. these are lessons that you get to pass on. I would much rather have my kids with an instructor who's been through things and learned rather than someone who hasn't experienced anything. So, you know, and everybody always says like, you know, regrets, like if I look back and I look at regrets, I don't, I don't think I have any. I think they're just all learning experiences. Right. They're just things yeah. that like, oh, shouldn't do that. Or, <laughs> yeah. Well, that was a dumb choice. And but I think the big key is, is again, we go back to the original part of this conversation was having the confidence to to move forward, to to not get stuck and not fear what it might be like to live a life one degree one way or the other or even break away from the peer pressure of something yeah, just you know, anything. anything just i mean i think i think you know again like full circle here like how many people are in jobs they hate yeah but it's a one degree change man it's just a it's just one simple like if you think about one degree when you look at it right in front of you it's so minute it's so complicated but it is so simple yeah. there's it's a book like, called uh i think it's called 212 and it talks about the one degree change. This is a little small, easy read book. Everybody should get it. Um, two twelve. It just talks about how like water does not boil at two eleven. I love that. That's and, great. And it's just a cool analogy of like you just sold me on that. Right. It's just a cool analogy of like like people don't realize that change is just one degree away. It's not. It's not some major thing. We cut. We we create all that in our brain. Change like, is one degree away. Yeah. Right on. That's awesome. Before you guys leave, is there anyone you want to give a shout out to? Um, yeah, I'd like to thank all the families in Hamilton that we've ever worked with, experienced, anybody who's ever uh, come to our studio, even for a visit, met us at a school talk, all the, the town people, the police, everybody. I just want to thank everybody for really embracing us in Hamilton, and we love the town. I mean, it's this town is full of awesome people, and we really appreciate everybody embracing us and accepting our facility, and uh, we just look forward to serving the town in a bigger way in the future as, as we move forward. Cool, cool. Yeah, I, I love Hamilton. I mean, uh, I'm originally from Pittsburgh, and the town I grew up in is a very close-knit community. Uh, I was just actually talking to one of our members this morning about it, that, you know, like I went to high school. Some of the teachers taught my mom and my aunt, you know, in high school. You know, like everyone kind of knew who my, my grandfather was, who was the treasurer of the town. Everyone's close-knit like that. And, and you know, you're going to, to school with kids who, you know, their parents hung out with my dad or my mom and things like that. And Hamilton's very close-knit like that. It, I really love it about that, uh, that the most about this town because 
that's kind of what I grew up with and, and coming here and, and getting that same feeling is, is really special to me. Uh, shout out to my, my two kids, my son and my daughter. I have to do that. I don't want to say I have to. I don't want to say I have to. Let me rephrase that. I want to. I, I promised. I, I promised them that I I, I talk to them real quick because they're they're going to be listening to this. So um, and there are a couple of martial arts champions. We didn't even get into that. Yeah, they they competed in Brazil in August with instructor G. Uh, did really good. They they won gold medals in sparring and the and some gold medals in some patterns. Some We're talking tools. first place people yeah. in in the world. Out of I think there was twenty seven or twenty eight countries there. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, especially my son, I'm really proud of him for that because he, he kind of went into his sparring matches like the underdog, like, you know, where it really wasn't, I don't want to say expected him to do as well as he did, you know, considering the competition he had at, at the age 13 in that age group. And uh, he went in and he, he ended up <laughs> like Karate Kid, went Under into first pressure. place. First place over time. Overtime. It was an overtime win and uh, did real good. It's a beautiful story, man. My daughter, she's like a bull in a china shop, though. She just kind of plowed through the people. So Yeah. <laughs> expected. Expected. <laughs> she's yeah. a little bit of a bruiser. Right on. Yeah. Anyone else? That it? Yeah. That's that's it for now. Yeah. All absolutely. right. Brother, thank you guys so much for doing this. Appreciate it for having thank us you, here. Thank you. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Fun.